North Carolina faces undefeated Oklahoma tonight in the Jumpman Invitational in the last critical non-conference resume building opportunity of the season. And oh, by the way, this one is personal for our guy, Coach Pat Kilby. You are Locked on Tar Heels, your daily podcast on the UNC Tar Heels, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, what's up? It's Wednesday, December 20th, 2023. Welcome into the Locked on Tar Heels podcast, the only daily North Carolina show out there. I'm your host, Isaac Shea, joined today as we are every Wednesday by our guy, Coach Pat Kilby. And we want to thank you every day for making Locked on Tar Heels your first listen or watch to get your team every day. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. Look, it's going to be a massive day of college basketball. It's not just the Tar Heels. we got great action going on tonight, and you're going to want to be part of the Locked on Tar Heels Discord where we're going to be talking about this game all day long and all night long, quite frankly. So if you want to get in on that action with a bunch of other great Tar Heel folks, come join us. The link to that is in the show notes. A couple other things coming up today. Basically, all we're doing is just getting ready for this game in a couple different ways. The Four Corners preview. Uh, we're going to talk about Oklahoma, get to know them a little bit. Look at uh, what, what does it mean if Carolina wins this game? What does it mean if Carolina loses this game? And so we'll get into all that. Two other quick things, though. Number one, we just learned on Tuesday that uh, the other podcast that I host, Locked On College Basketball, has been nominated uh, by the Sports Podcast Awards as Best College Basket, or excuse me, Best Basketball Show. And uh, we are shortlisted with a group of every other show on it is NBA podcasts, and so we got a we got a rep for all the college hoops lovers out there. So would be honored if you would go and vote for Locked On College Basketball at that. Next thing. Yesterday, I completely forgot to give the Tuesday trivia answer at the end of the show. So I got to do that now. The question, by the way, there are only two players in UNC history to wear double zero. Eric Montross was one of them. And the question was, who was the other? And who are the other six players that have worn just the single zero pack? You got any ideas on this, who it might be? No, I, I can think of a couple zeros, but not double zero. Well, give me the zeros. Um, I know. Well, Anthony Harris. Yep, that's one. Seth Trimble last year was a zero. Yep, there you go. That's a great get. Um, but other than that, I don't know. I'm lost okay. on that one. I don't know that I can get it. Double zero was Brendan Haywood. Oh, yep, yep. And then the other four single zeros were Jesse Holly, who was the first interview we ever had on this podcast, if I remember correctly, Joel James, Nate Britt, and the uh, YouTube superstar, Mr. Seventh Woods. So that's your uh, your other guys. All right, Pac, let's dive right into this thing. Here's where we got to go first. This is a key critical game for North Carolina. As we've been talking about multiple times on the show, this is the first time in Carolina history the Tar Heels have played five ranked teams in a span of six games in the regular season. This is the last one of those. Carolina is two and two in the first four of those games. 
And so you, it just, there's something about three and two that feels a whole lot different than two and three. This Oklahoma team is very good and you cannot overlook it. Pack, as you're preparing one of you, like your team for a game that is this important, do you want to put that pressure on them or do you not? How, how would you approach this if you were Hubert Davis? Well, I think you have to talk about it. You know, you, you, you've got to recognize the importance of the game. There's no, the, the players really know it. So in my mind, like the idea of skirting around it is just ignoring the fact. So, you know, for, for me and for our team, we like to talk about those things. This is what's at stake. We got to understand that. But at the end of the day, it still comes back to who we are as a team and do we go execute the things we believe that we have to in order to win. And so I think that's got to be the staple, especially coming off UConn and Kentucky. You know, I, I don't think it's any secret. We got we got exposed in some areas that we have to get better. Yeah. And I, I think it's got to be a talking point of as a group, as a unit, we got to step on that court and we got to prove that we do belong in the conversation, that we are a top 10 team in the country. And and we just and more more so than that, we got to show each other that we can rebound the basketball. We can get stops when we need to get stops. We can value possessions. And so I think those things are, um, you know, super critical to talk about because, you know, if you don't make it a priority, then it'll, it'll never be who you are. Mm. And so um, I, I think, you know, you've got to have those open conversations. That's so good. That's a good word. Great point about the rebounding. That, that's just got to be there. Carolina cannot, particularly on the offensive glass for the other team, Carolina has to finish defensive possessions with a rebound. There's just no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Now, I know it's a whole different animal with Kentucky because they you're just not going to face teams that long, that athletic, that big, uh, really frankly, ever. It's like when Carolina faced UConn in their offense. You just won't see another offense like that. Uh, but still, you got to do it. Same thing with turnovers. That's got to come down. And all of those kind of things are what help uh, ultimately win a critical game of this nature. Now, Peck, uh, this game is personal for you because it is the Oklahoma Sooner, Sooners there in Norman. And you live in the greater Oklahoma City area. Pack, just talk to us. You know, you were sharing some with me even before this game, Oklahoma, or before we recorded. Oklahoma, notoriously a football school. Even it seems like some Sooner fans are starting to recognize how big an opportunity this is for Boomer Sooner. Yeah, so I'm I am literally less than 30 minutes from Norman, from where I live. So I'm surrounded by OU people. <laughs> I will, unfortunately or fortunately, you know, I'll be watching it with some of my friends that are OU fans. And I typically don't like to do that just because you know how it is. You get locked in on the game. You're competitive. Oh, I watched with some Kentucky folks on Saturday, man. I, yeah. I'm very well aware. Yeah, that's tough. So, anyways, hopefully it goes well for the Tar Heels. Um, in 08, I watched the Carolina OU game with some OU um, people. 09, I think. And, or 09, yes, yeah. sorry. And, um, and that went well. So, we're going to keep the same routine. But, uh, yeah, OU, man, they've, they've had – you know, Porter Moser's been there. This is his third season. And the first two years have been really um, average at best. Yeah. And so I think a lot of the OU fans are finally starting to trust them. They're 10 and 0 and they're like, Hey, we might be pretty good. Now we're going to play North Carolina. This is a big game. And so they're, they're starting to get all in on it. And you're right. It's, it's typically a, a football first school, but they're starting to, to dip their toes in the water a little bit with this basketball team. So um, it's going to be a fun night and definitely a big one for, for OU and, 
obviously for North Carolina. And I think Tar Heel folks get that, but in reverse, right? It's like we're all in on basketball, but when we're a little bit good at football, we start to get cautiously optimistic until the rug gets pulled out from under us as it has been down the stretch the past two years. And so I would imagine we can all understand what Sooners fans are going through right now. Like, is this real or is this just whatever, you know? And so uh, I, I totally get where they're coming from with it. Now, Pac, as we look at this thing, I think Oklahoma is legitimately a good basketball team. However, they have, as, as we look at the, these resumes, they have not faced even like, it's not even in the same solar system of the type of resume we have Carolina has versus what Oklahoma has. Um, North Carolina has played. I mean, just in the fact of these five ranked teams in six games like that, that alone tells you what you need to know the highest ranked team uh that oklahoma has played at least from ken palm standards is 44th yeah. carolina has played one two three four this will be their fifth team ranked higher than that so carolina has played five teams ranked higher than the highest ranked team that oklahoma has played oklahoma has played what did we say five teams 295th or worse at ken palm yes. Yep. Their non-conference strength of schedule. Listen to how different this is. Keep in mind, 362 teams in Division One. Carolina's strength of schedule so far, 17th in the country. Oklahoma's 336th. Pack, as you think about, let's put your coaching hat on, the way that prepares or doesn't prepare you to face this kind of game that's going to be in Charlotte in, you know, not a home game for Carolina, but it should be a pro-Carolina crowd. What like what does that lack of preparation? How does that hurt you if you're Oklahoma? Well, it definitely hurts because you don't have the reps against the the athleticism, the size, the speed, you know, and that can disrupt the way you do things. Or um, if you haven't seen a tempo quite like Carolina plays, it's hard. It's it's hard to emulate or simulate those things in practice. You can't. That's so you true. Can't create a North Carolina basketball team in practice to go against. And so you have to get that thing, that type of thing through competition. And when you haven't seen it and then you get exposed to it, boy, it's, it's tough to, to adjust and pick those things up on the fly. And so if you're OU, you've got to try to you know, manage those things the best you possibly can. And if you're North Carolina, you're sitting there saying, hey, this is the fifth one we've seen. This is the fifth really good team we've seen. This is nothing new to us. We know how to do what we do against really good opponents. So it's going to be really interesting to me to see how OU does um, match up and play with Carolina, given that they haven't really seen anybody of our stature, especially um, a player like Armando, you know, with just a strong post presence. I feel like – I know we'll get into it more, but that's an area where Carolina could expose them. And so I, I'm just curious to see how they match up with those things. Yeah. Well, we're definitely going to have to talk about that. and. Carolina's probable advantage in the front court. We'll look at that. And I also want to just take a peek at, hey, what's it going to mean if Carolina wins this game? What's it going to mean if Carolina loses this game? If we're talking about it being critical, that means this is a fork in the road moment. And so we'll have that conversation coming up in just a second. Right after I tell you that this episode of Locked on Tar Heels is brought to you by FanDuel. Hey, listen, as the weather gets colder, the NFL offers stay hot on FanDuel right now. New customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. It's $150 if your team wins. 
If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders. We've looked at it multiple times, but like conference regular season odds. And Carolina just keeps creeping closer to Duke. Duke plus 280, Tar Heels plus 300, Clemson plus 470, Virginia plus 550, and Miami plus 600. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked in to get in on that action or NFL action this season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. All right, Peck, let's look at that question I just asked a second ago. If UNC wins this game, what does it mean long-term? Well, it kind of goes back to what you mentioned a moment ago. You know, this being the fifth top team that we've played, um, you know, putting us at three and two, or three and two record in those games, I think that's big because it's what, you know, when we were doing our report card show, what was that, last week? We yeah. kind of talked about laying the groundwork, right, for future successes. and this winning this would be part of laying that groundwork. It's um, I haven't looked at the net. I imagine it's, it's a quad one win. And so I'll look while you're talking, keep um, going. That, you know, would be huge for us. And I think it's yeah, Oklahoma's 10th in the net right now. This is unquestionably a one game. <laughs> yeah. So obviously, I mean, that alone winning a game against the 10th team in the, in the net is, is huge for us so that we can, you know, get seating. But it also has to do with the mentality of the team. You know, it's like losing three of those games in a row, the, you know, UConn, Kentucky, and then OU. Where would where would we be mentally at that point? You know, I like to think we would respond, but you never know. Um, you are dealing with young kids and young men at this point. And so you never know where that could take you. But But winning it, can take you a whole different direction, get you back on the right track. You understand everything you want is still in front of you. A one seed in the NCAA tournament is still in front of you. And so um, there's just a lot that that could come with winning a game like this. Well, let me take the opposite side of it then, because you just went to exactly where I wanted to go. What happens if Carolina loses this game? That would be a three-game losing streak, albeit to three of the – like. What what are this week three of the top 10 teams in the nation? Because UConn, Kentucky, and Oklahoma are all top 10 teams right now, Pac. And so it's like, it's nothing to hang your head about, but also it's like, you got to win these kind of games. Like losing this game, I think you said it earlier today, it's just not an option. And so uh, like, that's the thing for Carolina losing this game. Then you don't play again till next Friday, the 29th, I think it is against Charleston Southern. And so that's a lot of time to think. It's a lot of time to dwell. And I think it also, losing this game, probably rips away any hopes of a one seed, maybe even a two seed, because the ACC is not going to provide enough quad one opportunities down the stretch. And so winning this game keeps you in that conversation. But I would say that losing it probably starts to move you down more towards that three or four range since Carolina did lose to UConn and Kentucky and Villanova, who's hopefully going to start getting their foot back in the door. In fact, they've got a critical game tonight as well. I think they're at Creighton, Villanova is, so folks, make sure you're tuned in to that one. Okay, Pac, let me ask you another, talking about mental stuff. What, you know, the, the Eric Montross of it all, you know, we, we talked a lot on Tuesday's show about Eric and his legacy and what it means. Um, you know, we, we already have coach's uncle having died earlier this year. And so 
for the guys who knew Eric, uh, who, you know, I know he's not been on the, on the call this year, but for the returners, you know, they had been around him so much. Um, how do you healthily allow that influence to be part of your game tonight? And, and what, what are ways you've seen teams get too emotional and it be a negative thing? Yeah, I think, you know, I've seen it both ways. And, you know, the thing is, you got to, everybody's different. So you got to start there. I mean, some yeah. people process so differently. Um, as a coach, as, as a staff, I think Hubert and Lebo and all those guys are probably channeling this and, you know, in the direction of this is hard, this is yeah. tough. But the best way we can honor him is to play Carolina basketball, mm. you know, and play it the right way. And I think the players and support staff and everybody else that knew him would agree with that. Um, as Tar Heels, I think we would agree with that. The best way you can honor him is to go out there and play North Carolina Tar Heel basketball. And, um, you know, but there is the side of, especially with the coaching staff, who's probably very close with him. And some of them even having been teammates with him, I believe. Yeah. Or Coach, Coach Davis. Absolutely. They yeah. were for two years. And so, you know, that that's, that's personal and that's, that's going to take its toll. And so you've got to take time to, to deal with those emotions while also being prepared to take care of your business, you know, against OU and in life. And it makes the OU game seem really small. It really does. But when you think about, you know, what What would Eric really want? It's for you to go out there and represent the University of North Carolina in the best possible way and for you to represent, you know, them in the way you play the game, in the way you live your life off the court. And so I think those are conversations you have to have. Um, I don't think it's something you bottle up. I don't think it's something you don't talk about. You talk about it with your team um, and you have that open communication of let's go honor him. Yeah. And you hope that everybody – buys into that, but it's really tough because everybody, you know, handles that um, emotion just in different ways. And that's well said. I, I love your point. Like Eric Montross was a quintessential Tar Heel. And the way to honor that is to be a Tar Heel, play Carolina basketball and uh, keep it in its proper place. Uh, something you said there reminded me that Coach Smith, you know, he would often say, there's people in Asia that don't give a care about, don't even know anything that's happening in Chapel Hill, North Carolina tonight. Um, and so that helps keep it in perspective. But if we're going to go out and we're going to play a basketball game, let's make it happen. And let's yeah. do it for Eric in the Carolina way. Perfectly said, Pac. Um, now, as we start thinking about this game itself, what, we're going to talk more about Mondo as we get to our Four Corners preview, but one thing I'm really curious is we had talked so much about waiting for that Cormac Ryan breakout, and man, did we get it in a big way against Kentucky. But the question now is, how's he going to follow that up? Is he going to press? Um, and I don't mean that like playing full court pressure. I mean, like, is he going to press to try to keep that going? Uh, I, I personally, Pac, would love to see him attack right out of the gate rather than just like testing to see if his three is going like, I want him to get into the lane, make stuff happen. Looking at the starting lineups, he'll probably be matched up against someone very much his size. Uh, you know, that uh, just based on what um, Oklahoma typically rolls out. And I, I you know, this is the moment where I want to see to have Cormac have a game and RJ and Mondo 
and Harrison Ingram. Like we need that from all of them, but I think it's critical that he keeps going in this game to follow up what he just did on Saturday. Yeah, the best way to build confidence is to consistently stack days. And so um, for him, and he hasn't had the opportunity to do that. You know, right when it felt like he was hitting the ground running and the battle for Atlanta's tournament, he turns his ankle. And then we're playing catch up from there. And then we hit the long break. And so now he finally had that. He had a nice game against Kentucky. And we need to see that consistently and, and continue to add on to that. I think his confidence is in a good spot. I think his head is in a good spot. We just need to put two good games in a, you know, in a row together and let that flow naturally. And the thing is about this team, I think everything will come naturally uh, because of the way they share the ball and their unselfishness. I don't think they will try to do too much. One person will ever try to do too much. And so he can just play ball, let the game come to him, and you know, nail his roll down. I love that. So who is this Oklahoma team? What do we need to know about them? And let's get to our four corners preview so you can be on the lookout for the same things that Pac and I are on the lookout for. We'll talk about that in just a second. Right after I tell you that this episode of Locked on Tar Heels is brought to you by LinkedIn. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to have as many top tier candidates as possible to interview. That's why you got to check out LinkedIn Jobs, which has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. It's critically important for the success of your business to have a pool of quality candidates to interview. Thankfully, LinkedIn Jobs makes it easy to find them. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. They have a vast network of more than a billion professionals, making it the best place to hire. That's super easy to do when you have that many quality candidates. Look, LinkedIn Jobs knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and they might not have the time or resources to hire. Thankfully, though, with LinkedIn, the process is intuitive, quick, and easy. They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process even easier and quicker. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. Again, that's linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right, Pac. North Carolina and Oklahoma cannot wait for this matchup. If you would, why don't you introduce us to the Sooners, this matchup a little bit, and then we'll get to the Four Corners preview. Yeah, so obviously we have UNC versus OU tonight, December 20th at 9 p.m. Eastern time, 8 Central time. And that's a little bit dependent on the game beforehand, how long that goes. Um, On ESPN, uh, it's a triple header, Duke, Baylor. Alabama, Arizona. So it's going to be some good, good basketball. Being Great played. night of basketball. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Ken Palm line has UNC favored by one. So that's tight. Analytics. It's going to be a close ball game. Tight game. The FanDuel line is not up yet as we record. I'll be interested to see what that is. Yeah, same. Series record. Carolina leads three to nothing. Um, 1982 Rainbow Classic win. A game in 1990 that UNC won by two. Hmm. And 09 against Blake Griffin team and the Elite Eight, which was an awesome game. Seeing yeah. Tyler Hansbrough, Blake Griffin matchup, that was good stuff. Uh, and we have to say, Blake Griffin got the better of Tyler in that one. Yes, he did. He did. And yeah, that 1990 game, man, that, that was that eight over one in the uh, second round there. That was great stuff. That's right. Yes. That's Man, right. Love it. Anyway, keep going. I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, you coached by Porter Moser. Some of you may 
think that name sounds familiar. That's because he took Loyola Chicago to two different Final Fours, I believe, right? Or one Final Four. They won Final Four, and then they knocked off uh, Illinois that year with Io DeSunmu, right? Was the the second run. But then they lost after that. Yeah, so one Final Four, one Sweet 16. But he's done a great job. Two tough years at OU, and now he's kind of got them rolling again. So he's he's doing a really good job there. Um, OU is 19th at the Kim Palm ranking. UNC is 20th. The funny thing about OU is they were picked 12th in the Big 12 in the preseason poll. And so now, obviously, I think if they voted again, that would be a lot different. It's kind of like K-State last year. K-State was dead last in the Big 12 poll. Yeah. Yeah. And it's hard to predict because of the transfer portal and the recruits. I mean, you just never know what teams are going to look like. So OU was picked 12th of 14 teams, and it's safe to say they're not there anymore. They're currently sitting at 10 and 0. They've got wins against um, Arkansas, USC, Providence, and Iowa. All of those are right around that uh, 50 mark in Ken Palm. So there's no real elite team, but those are four solid wins that they have. Um, and then, like Isaac mentioned earlier, of five of those 10 wins have been against teams that are ranked 295th or worse in the Ken Palm. So, just to give you an idea of some players to watch, Otega Owe, 6'5 guard, 14.9 points per game. And he's averaging nearly 15 on 66% from the field. So when I was first researching OU, I was looking, I was like, oh, this guy must be a post player. Yeah. You know, he's he's just real efficient. No, he's a guard and he's a slasher. He doesn't shoot a ton of threes. He's just really efficient. And yeah. so and that's, uh, that's who I think Cormac will be guarding, actually. Agreed. Yes. Yeah. And I think that'll be a very interesting matchup. And then not far behind him is Javion McCollum, who's at 14.3 points per game, 6'1 guard. Um, We'll likely see RJ or Elliott on him. Uh, He's a solid, quick, athletic player. And then John Hughley off the bench there is their third leading scorer, um, and he transferred to Oklahoma from Pitt. So some of you may remember him from ACC play. So that's a little bit about OU. And let's dig it, dive into these four corners here. Um, and speaking of John Hughley and the bench, OU plays eight players 17-plus minutes per game, and then it's a drastic drop-off. So they've got three guys that they go to on the bench. And my question is for this game, can our bench win the bench battle? You know, Kentucky kind of – well, they didn't kind of. They dominated us. <laughs> in, in and uh, now granted, two of their better players on their team come off the bench for them. And for us, that's not necessarily the case. I think the best five start, um, but we've got to have more production from our bench. And so if UNC wins the bench play battle, I think that gives us a definite uh, step ahead of OU and, and a good chance to win. So the key there is, is can our bench win that battle? For four corners, point number two, got to reestablish Armando Baycott in the half court. Had a, an okay game by normal people by normal player standards but by Armando Baycott standards his performance against Kentucky just wasn't there six turnovers to boot uh it's he's gotta be there and this is a major opportunity we look at OU's starting front court it goes six 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 nine with Sam Goodwin or Godwin excuse me as that six nine guy when John Hughley comes in he's also six nine so Baycott has an advantage there in fact Godwin is only 210 pounds so Baycott should have the opportunity to do that not against Hughley though he is a big boy and so Carolina is gonna have you know 
did have, I think, some trouble with him in his pit days. But it's critical that Carolina establish Mondo early and often and just keep pounding it over and over and over. Got to get a good game out of Mondo. Yeah, absolutely. And that kind of feeds right into point three. OU is a very, very athletic team, and they're similar to Kentucky in that way. Uh, they're not as big and they're not as long, so they're not going to disrupt quite as much, but they're athletic. And so to me, that leads to two questions. Number one, can we actually get into our half-court offense and execute, which is would be you know feeding Armando the ball through our sets and playing from the inside out? And can we win the rebounding battle? You know, OU is, like I mentioned, they're very athletic. They average 39 and a half rebounds per game. And uh, I'm not exactly sure where Carolina is. Last time I looked, they were around 37, 38 rebounds per game. Uh, but I know that we've got to get better at it. And um, so that will be, to me, that's going to be a battle that really stands out. Will, will their athleticism push us out of what we do? And can we block them out and finish possessions with rebounds? We're going to have to find that out. And and part of that, too, is, you know, Oklahoma, they shine more on defense than offense. Our Carolina offense, Oklahoma defense are very similarly rated. Carolina defense, Oklahoma offense are very similarly rated. So that's going to be an interesting thing uh, to watch play out, um, and, and we'll see what happens with it. Um, Pack, as for rebounds, I was just looking at that. Per game, Carolina right now is at 38.1 ahead of the Oklahoma game. So pretty similar in terms of those numbers. The fourth critical thing, we kind of got into a little, like I kind of looked at it a little bit earlier, but the question is this. With the game being in Charlotte and Oklahoma coming all the way over from Norman, can Carolina basically turn this game into a Smith Center game? Right. I know it's technically a neutral site game, but Carolina has to own this arena and make it feel like an, a true away game for Oklahoma. That is like that was so critical in the Tennessee game for Carolina being able to just boat race their way through that first half. Got to see that. So if you're going to this game, show out and be ready. If you're not going to this game, get a ticket and go to this game so that you can make that happen. Pack very quickly. Let's make a prediction each and get out of here. All right. Yeah, I've got UNC 81. 70 OU. I got Carolina winning by 11. I, just think, I think the home atmosphere, um, the Eric Montross motivation, I, I think plays a factor in this. And just the sheer fact that we need this one coming off two losses. I like the Hills. I was going to go Car- kind of close, but a smaller margin. I was going to go Carolina 75, Oklahoma 70. And uh, our Hills covering the spread uh, as we expect. And just catapulting them into ACC play. I know there's the Charleston Southern game ahead still, but they're not good. So, uh, Pac, I think that would be a great win and a great way to wrap up the competitive part of the non-conference schedule. Can't wait to see it. Can't wait to unpack it, which Coach Rob and I will do on tomorrow's show. Folks, that's it for today's episode. Thank you so much for joining us again. Come hop into the Locked on Tar Heels Discord. Great conversation going there. You can email the show, LockedOnTarHeels at gmail.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to the show on audio and video. We'd love it if you would rate and review the show. Five stars, talk about why you love it. If you're watching, smash the like button so we know you're here. And we'd love to hear your comments on this Carolina-Oklahoma game. It's always a great day to be a Tar Heel. Can't wait to talk to you again tomorrow. But until then, peace.